You have your way. I have my way. As for the right way, the correct way, and the only way, it does not exist. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. And on this episode of the podcast, we have Trevor Harris. Trevor is a previous MLB and collegiate strength coach and is the current owner of Gray Matter Human Performance, where he works to build better humans and athletes. And on this episode of the podcast, Trevor tells us just how he does that, why he values play and athletic movements so much, how he has replaced vertical jumping and traditional jump training with low rim dunks, and how he has totally shifted his view on athletic development by just watching athletes. It was really awesome to see how Trevor and I's past crossed from both starting in a storage closet and both starting with this power lifter, bigger, faster, stronger mentality to how we both have kind of transitioned in our lives to this more athletic first, athlete first, human first development process. And it's just awesome talking to a dude like Trevor where he's consistently pushing the boundaries on his development as a human and his development as a coach. And it really shows in this podcast and in his message. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I did. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving week and you have listening to this with full bellies and even fuller hearts. And I appreciate the constant and consistent support of this podcast. Every listen, every download, every share helps spread the message and helps everything that we're doing over here at Yoakum Strength. So thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right, well, Coach, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. I appreciate it, man. Good to be here. Yeah, we've just been ribbing for the past 13 minutes about our uh, about our background stories and how we're both we both started in the garage and now we're out. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your background, kind of how you got to where you're at currently, and uh, a little bit about that garage dungeon story that we both kind of share? Yeah, man. It uh, I started pretty much like most. I would say got into the powerlifting world after I got done playing college baseball, um, which kind of saved. It's kind of saved me. Powerlifting was like the thing that that got me out of some rough times. Um, so I went into that for three, four years, um, had a great mentor. Uh, he had, and it was cool. We started in a, uh, in like a, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a storage unit, you know, just where people store all sorts of shit. And we started in there and you walked in, there was a monolith, a bench, some kettlebells, dumbbells. And we just, man, we got after it. And there were some mutants in there. And I walked in at a buck 75 and these dudes were, you know, these guys are squatting seven, 800 and I'm over here struggling with 225. 
Um, but that's where I started. Like, I think a lot of us get that start. Um, from there, I went to the University of Akron with football for almost four full years there. Uh, got out of that. We got fired. Um, imagine that. And then um, and then went to a small Division two school, uh, kind of ran the program there. And I think it's very similar to your situation, uh, St. Thomas, the stuff you've kind of talked about with admin and people just it, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, at all from a culture standpoint and it was it was going to be really hard to change that um, and then from there went to the San Francisco Giants for a year um, spent and that was COVID so COVID hit got sent home from spring training and got married that year uh, and then the, the whole story kind of flips right there um, we found out my wife was pregnant so we we're about to have our first kid and the pro baseball life is crazy man like even if even if she would have moved out to where we were at in Scottsdale I would have never been home um, so I just made the decision, you know what, like I would much rather be a great dad and a great husband um, than have a cool logo on my shorts and people's eyes to pop open when you tell me working pro baseball. Um, so from there, man, uh, I was roofing. Uh, my buddy owns a roofing company and I'm picking up freaking shingles all day long, eight to 10 hours a day. Um, and before that, I would get up at 2.30 in the morning and go to the gym and just keep sharpening the axe. Like it was insane, man. I was up early. Uh, I'd go to the gym. I was running like a, I remember it specifically. I'm running a triphasic kind of thing I wrote out for myself and like getting after it, sprinting, fly tens, all that stuff. Um, and then I would come home, pack my lunch and go to the job and pick up shingles, man, all day long, putting them in a big ass fruit bucket, tossing on my shoulder, walking into the dumpster and throwing them in all day. Um, and so I did that for a while. And then finally it was like, all right, man, like you're having a kid and I don't want to be the dad that's like, hey, hey, buddy, like you should do this because I'm telling you to like, no, I want you to see me walk this way. Like, I want you to see the path I'm taking. Don't listen to people when they tell you to go get a job. Um, do what you love to do. And this is what I love to do. Um, I've been doing it for, you know, seven, eight years now. And, and I love it. Um, and so I chose, you know, I was like, you know what, it's not going to be easy financially, but we're going to do it. And that's when we got to the garage, man, 400 square feet um, in our garage here at our house. And over like this fall, man, it was pretty cool. We had like 12 athletes in here at a time okay. and they're running around the driveway. Neighbors are driving by like, what the hell is going on over there? Um, but it was really, really cool. And that's kind of uh, what got me to where I'm at now. That That's fucking awesome, dude. That that story gives me chills because it's the same, like same kind of backup. I really like the point. You're like, you're going to tell your kid to go do this and you're not leading it. Like the, the best way to tell your kid to do something is by having them watch you. I think that's awesome. You mentioned something that about powerlifting saving you. And this is something that I think will be interesting to dive into because I look at your page now and like there's pickable on your page. There's wood tag on your page. There's a bunch of Joel Smith's like elastic essential page. Uh, uh, elastic, elastic essentials course on there and a bunch of like becoming a better mover becoming a better athlete you have all these aspects on there but you mentioned powerlifting and that was kind of your intro and like what it saved you how like did you get out of the powerlifting like mindset with your athletes did you ever have the attachment to it are you still implementing some things from the powerlifting world like how did you go into the powerlifting world from the athletic world and then how did you get back out to get to where you're at currently and how are you like grabbing pieces from all this so the, I'll say how I got out of it. Well, why I got into it is, man, I was making some bad decisions, dude. Like I dropped out of school at one point, was roofing again. So now you go back, you know, six, seven years ago and I'm sitting on the peak of this roof, dude. And it's a beautiful November day. I'll never forget it. And I'm like, dude, I can't do this. Like I've worked way too hard. I'm, that's like, just the personality I have. I'm, man, there's no way. So boom, going to powerlifting. Um, and then you kind of walk through the path, you know, you get into college football and it's still squat bench clean. Um, but you know, I started training like an athlete myself and then and this kind of goes into like some of the wide narrow ISA stuff I've learned from Joel 
And then finding out now, you know, a few months ago, like I'm a narrow, which I never would have thought because I power lifted. I just assumed, oh, that's what I did. I was kind of good at it for my body weight. You know what I mean? I could move some weight here and there. Um, but then it was like, I couldn't move. Like I couldn't jump. I mean, I was pretty athletic. You know, I could throw a baseball pretty hard, like rotational qualities I had. I can swing a golf club. But it was like, man, why can't I move? Like I run like crap. My hamstrings freaking, I've, you know, I got a couple hamstrings when we were training to Akron. It was like a gimme when Trevor runs a 40. There comes a hamstring sniper sitting in the back of the field house, dude. It was just, um, I was a mess. Um, and then, so then it was like, is this, is this kind of the way to train athletes? Like, what are we doing? Like, I know how I felt and it's cool to be strong. And I think this, I think we're getting to this place where we know that, you know, that kind of strength isn't everything. And it obviously it's important, but you know, to move like that, if that's your sport and that's your demand, great. But what I found is getting away from that and just letting and doing things a little more on the elastic side. I mean, Joel's course has been extremely influential on me. Um, he's helped me a ton. Uh, shout out to Joel, man. He's been awesome and really opened my eyes to some things. But, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, so I just kind of, I reached out to Joel, and I know you've talked about this, is getting coached and, like, getting a program from a coach. And so that's something I chose to invest in is, is working with Joel and, and paying him for programming and just to learn, man. Like, I want to be able to move again. And, you know, 29 years old, and I got my first dunk with a spike ball off of one leg. Oh, and yeah. I've never been able to dunk off one leg. You know what I mean? Um, and then just, you know, you start seeing things, man. I'm keeping up with the athletes a little bit. Like, I can do the things they do. If, if I need to jump in and play ultimate frisbee without a warm-up, like, let's go. Like, I'm in, and I'm fine. I'm not pulling hamstrings. And just, you know, so I think the powerlifting thing, it was just like, dude, you can't. Yeah, it's cool. You squat a lot, and you bench a lot. But you can't move athletically. And you wonder why it hurts to sprint, and it hurts to jump, and you just – it just wasn't what I used to. And I hated feeling like that because I, I, I love being athletic. I like to get out there and move and play basketball and pickleball and those things. And, and so it just, it really came back around. I was like, man, this is not it. But I will say from a culture standpoint, man, there ain't nothing like a powerlifting dungeon and you just understand how to get after it. And I think that's something I try to do with my athletes is when we're training and say we are squatting, right. We get into that traditional stuff, like have a mindset about yourself, be a professional, get under the bar, handle your business and let's get out of there alive and do our thing. So I think those are more cultural have stuck with me from the powerlifting world, but you know, from a transfer to sport, I guess you'd say, uh, I completely have kind of gone the other way. Yeah. And one of the points that I love that you made, you said, I know how I felt, you know, and like, I was honestly, I was thinking about that this morning. I was walking around, I was just doing stuff with some of the athletes. I was hopping in for this spike. ball. I was like, man, like five years ago when I was in like, the the meathead like grind state i was thinking like i walked around feeling like shit like i walked around like a walking injury waiting to happen like i was so like ooh, like this is fucking brick shit house walking around but at any moment i knew like you can just feel it man you can feel like oh that doesn't feel right that's not good that's not super fluid and now i'm walking around in the in this like just kind of this fluid like okay i can do this i can do that I, and i couldn't do any of this before and I, I think that's a really important piece if you really want that mindset to shift like start implementing some of these things yourself and start to realize it's like if your athletes feel like you feel and you train your athletes how you train, like that's probably not going to be the best way. It's not going to be the best way to move that athlete forward. And one of the other things you mentioned is like, you talked about being strong is cool. Benching a lot is cool, but not being it. But like, I, I truly, truly believe you can do both. Like I, I, I squat more than I squatted back then. And I move significantly better. I bench way more than I benched back then. And I move significantly better. So I, I think that's another, another thing we can break is like, 
it's probably faster if you go through the straight powerlifting world and all you're lifting is barbell. But like to me, it's like, okay, it's faster, but there's so many powerlifters I know when they train like that, they get hurt anyway. So that then they, it's faster in the short term, but they get hurt because they're not moving well. And then and they have to take this step back as where if you just kind of slow cook all aspects of your human potential at the end of the day, you are going to bypass so many people by just doing that. And you're going to move better and you're going to feel better. And you're also going to total better, you know? Yep. Yeah, I think the best thing you said was like the patience kind of thing. Like that's been a big thing with the athletes right now. It's just patience. Like we don't need we don't need a squat PR right now. It's November. You guys, if we ever will, I don't know if I ever will, but it's just understanding that is a huge thing. I think you said just slow cook, be patient. You know, if it's five pounds a week or if it's five pounds a month, like that's fine. That's a win for us. And and like you said, then we're throwing in all the other stuff, playing the games, moving, having movement challenges. Um, it goes, it goes such a long way. And our guys do, we are healthier than we've ever been since we've kind of switched over to this. We just feel better. I'm not saying we're not going to have a hamstring here and there. We might, I hope not, but it's like, I don't hear the complaints of like, oh, my shoulder, like we swing clubs. Now we hang more. It's like, I don't hear those things that I hear from other athletes, um, that are just lifting a lot, like their strength coach prides on lifting and deadlifting heavy. And that stuff, you know, I take pride in with our guys. Like, I just don't, I don't hear a lot of it, whether they're not telling me maybe one thing. But I do think it's something. I definitely think there's something to it. Um, and if they're feeling good and they feel and they think they're feeling better, we're winning because now they're going to practice feeling better. They're getting in the batting cages feeling better, whatever they're doing. So I think it, it definitely sums it up and it all comes together really nice for the athlete. Yeah, I really like that point. It's like li- just listening to the athletes because that, that's totally true. Like I hear I hear that a lot, too. It's like you you do walk into like a typical like meatheadish part and they're all saying something like cr- cranking about like some some injury something that's like bugging their shoulder not even injury but something that's bugging their shoulder something that's bugging their back oh their hips tight but like like you said when you're implementing some of these things that is one of the coolest things you notice is like that stops you know like if you're not going to go with like because this is this is one of the things i preach too it's like i'm not truly big in injury prevention because if you're going to do cool stuff like bad things are going to happen like if you're running down the field and you have a 230 pound linebacker running at you at 25 miles an hour which is what's going to happen if you're reaching the peak of your field like that dude has a potential to hurt you. Like, like you're not preparing for a 225 pound man, just clotheslining your knee. Like, so like in that aspect, like in that injury prevention, like, I don't know, but the, the, the aspect of like, you don't have to walk around and feel like shit and like move like shit. I, I think that's totally like, you can just see it and you can quantify that like aspect. Like this athlete feels better. This athlete is moving better and you're, we're seeing it and we're hearing it and, and then they're talking about it. And all of these other aspects are raising up, but I, I'm really interested in we, we, you and I have touched on the play aspect and that and that we're doing it. But how how are you implementing some of these things? One of the really cool things somebody sent me your post on pickleball, and that's that's where I was like, oh, I got to get this guy on. You were doing <laughs> you doing pickleball, and you were showing the like it was like a two step approach to go get a pickleball to the right, and it was the same exact thing as like a fielder going to go ground it. And not that it needs to be sport specific, but your point was like. Like, why is this like considered like the old person sport? Why is this considered like just trash when it's like literally like we're watching the same thing? Like it's right in front of our eyes. I've called these aspects. I really love that wood tag post you had. That was awesome, man. That was some Rafe Kelly stuff. I'm going on Rafe's podcast tomorrow, but that was so cool. Like some of that stuff is cool. Um, You do a lot of jump and movement challenges, but like, how are you utilizing these things? How are you implementing them? And kind of why? Like, what are some of the benefits you're seeing from it? Like, why are you approaching in this light? And how are you 
looking at it. Cause I think that's a big aspect. The way you looked at that pickleball two-step will allow you to see really everything in front of you and see, okay, that game is not just a game. It's not just fun. It is fun. It is getting the athlete engaged, but it's all, you're also seeing all of these movement patterns. So how are you seeing that? And how did you go about getting that mindset to see these things in these games? So I would have to credit uh, meeting and learning from a Darien bar was a huge thing. Just like learning to watch video and like, just call what you see. Like, don't, don't fit it into a box. Don't try to make it this mechanical position. I know that's a big thing right now, like hitting positions versus, you know, just sprinting and whatever. But, you know, it, that was a huge part of it. it was just watching more and like, okay, I watched Kyrie take someone off the dribble. I watched that strategy like, okay, there's a reason he's doing it. And then you learn from a Darian and you watch the track world and, and you're like, okay, this is now, now it's a common denominator. And if I'm still pushing, push, triple extension, all this stuff coming out, you know, of a start when we're training with our speed stuff, it's like, am I really doing the athlete, you know, the service I'm supposed to be? Um, so the big thing this year was, like I kind of mentioned, we we're pre-recording is like baseball players to me is like, they're not, they're not treated like athletes. It's like, go throw med balls, but it has to be in like the hip shoulder separation. It has to be specific as hell. Like it has to be baseball and we're hitting, like we have a bat in our hand. And so my big thing was like with the college guys, I told them, I said, listen, man, I'm not treating you like baseball players this summer. I'm not, you're, we are going to be freaking athletes. We are going to low rim dunk. We are going to play games and, and that's it. And watch, and let's just see what happens. Right. Um, so that was, that's why we started doing it. Uh, then my wife calls. She said, Hey, they got this portable pickleball net at Sam's club. You want me to buy it? I'm like, Fucking yeah, buy it. Like, let's go. So we start playing that driveway. Then it turns into, you know, we start going over the tennis courts and I film everything. And that was something like, I was like, okay, I'm going to film it and just see what happens. And that day is when it hit, when I started seeing these movement patterns and these things. And I'm not saying a word, Austin, like I'm just sitting there. I'm just watching. They're not thinking about it because you don't have time to think when you're trying to beat the guy across from you on the other side of the net. Like that's all they're thinking about is get to the ball, make a play and score the point which I love even more. Like that's a whole nother aspect of why we do it. Um, and then, so those things, I just start seeing them pop up and then it's like, Holy shit. Like this is what a third baseman would do if a ball's ripped down the line. They're going to have to make that. They're going to do the same thing, whether they think about it or not. Um, and yeah, so it was just came from watching a lot of film, watching the best move, like just really, really watching and trying to learn more and more from actually watching athletes move and not what I think they should do because I read a textbook on sprinting and acceleration mechanics. Um, so we just started doing it, man. And I think another thing I would think about that I would add in is I would, we did the first three weeks of our summer. We, I like, we went over shenangle change and those kinds of things, the, the remove and replace from a Darian's work. And I almost wish I had a conversation with Joel back in the summer. He talked about like flip-flopping it and almost playing the games first and then, and like watching the film and then seeing what they're missing. Like, can they get to the class two lever and acceleration, that kind of thing? And then, okay, hey, maybe then maybe on Thursday when we sprint or whatever we do, maybe we throw that in there and just work on it. So it's almost like going back to like, let's just watch them move, you know, naturally. Let's just make, let this thing be organic. And then let's go back and see what we need to fix or if we even need to fix it. We might not because they might be doing it already. And then me saying something just jacks them up and makes them slow. Um, but yeah, so that would be probably the biggest thing, man, was just learning to watch athletes move on film a lot more. And then putting the athletes in positions to just do it. And then they see it. And I show them the film because I want to educate them. Like, hey, man, you just did this. Like, that's sweet. And they're like, oh, oh my God. Like, they'll say, like, oh, man, that's exactly what I would do with third base. Like, I have to have that, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's, uh, it's really cool. 
Yeah, that was going to be my next question is if you watched that film with them, because that's something that I've seen is is really cool. Like if you want like one of the, one of these like these like hardo coaches talk about like on Instagram now, it's like, well, if I was an athlete and I just came in and played games, like I would, it was like, dude, like, like just get buy in from your athlete, like just show them like that. That's one of the coolest things, like show them like you show them that pickleball video. I promise you that athletes is way more engaged with that than showing them like a squat video, you know, like. Oh, this is exactly why I'm doing this and showing them all the positions that, that that's a, that's another cool thing, too. It's like especially an athlete that's stuck in like a uh, we've had technical athletes come in. So a lot of track athletes, not like they have a track background. Those are usually a lot of the worst athletes because it's so cue based in track um, and there's not a lot of reaction there. So they'll, they'll come in and this like. I need my knees here, arms here. And it's like, okay, you, you did that in this, this race where you were or in this run where you were thinking about it. But then I had you race somebody and look what you're doing when you're racing somebody, you know, like this is where your shins are. This is where your knees are. You're, you're staying squatted. This is what you're doing when you're trying to make that person miss, you know? So I think that part is really, really cool is like showing them. And one of the other cool things is like watching the games and showing them the awkward positions they get stuck in and why we're training some of these things soft tissue wise too, I think is really cool. Like, well, like um, we'll play these like silly Gaga ball games and stuff like that. And these athletes are diving and falling and rolling on the ball ground. And it's really cool just to show them like all of these positions they're able to get into um, and showing them that like, okay, we'd never touch this position. If we just did a traditional warm up. we'd never touch this position if we were just doing a skips here. Um, but yet you find yourself in these positions all the time. So I, I think the, the video part is super huge for buying with athletes and just to show them like kind of why we're doing what we're doing. And then I think to add on to that is um, just like when you, when you're not thinking just how, how much good shit actually happens. Like it's, it's amazing. Like they're not, they're, you're not, co- they're not robots anymore. You're just letting them, you know what I mean? You're just letting it happen. And and then something else you said with the injury thing, um, we had a kid, so we're playing on these courts. They got cracks in them, dude. Like they're a shit show. Like, these tennis courts we played on were just, they were bad. And there was one court that we played on the main court and it had like this, I don't know what it was, but it was like, it was like dry dirt, mud, something. And we had a kid go for a ball and his knee kind of slid out you know, out from under him and he kind of went into that like valgus position and he pops right up and he's like, and I'm like, you know, first I'm like, Oh God, what am I going to tell freaking head coach? Dude, this kid just got hurt playing pickleball. And he gets out of it and he kind of shakes it off and he looks at me. He goes, Trev, he goes, I don't think if we're doing this stuff, I think I might tear my ACL right there. But, but like you said, we've been doing this stuff. We've been getting into these awkward positions. We, we crawl, we crouch, you know, we play games in the crouch position. And I know you guys do a lot of the same things, and it's like, boom, right there. Like, what if I would have just had them running in straight lines all summer and we never did anything with any sort of risk involved? Like, what would have happened right there? Like, I don't know. I'm not saying he would have tore his ACL, but who knows? And so it was kind of cool just for him to make that connection. Like, now I kind of see why we're doing what we're doing, too, like, from a all-encompassing look at our program. And with, with these games, how are you coming up kind of with what you're going to play with the athletes is it some days it's pretty general and we're going to keep it pickleball we're going to keep it fun are there some days i've seen some of the stuff where you're doing um like kind of like an eight vector kind of like run reactionary drills with with some of your baseball athletes how are you picking like staying general and keeping the general aspect of just an athlete like we're just going to play pickleball to anything like small side of games and then if it is general how are you like are you just bumping back between fun general games we do a lot of that or are you trying to steer it a little bit towards like this more constraint ledge small sided game. Like how, how, are, how does your mind work around those things? And how are you kind of formulating those things with your athletes? Um, is it a day by day approach is a weekly approach? How are you doing that? 
So I did it in blocks. So like block 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 one was, hey, let's go over shin angle change from a linear start, the lateral start, like base stealing. Obviously, that's an important thing for our position guys. And it helps with with just getting to a ball like our outfielders tracking on a ball in the gap. So we went over that super closed off. Like we didn't do anything really fun. Like, unfortunately, I told him. And it was kind of like, I think about that in my session too. It's like kind of like, hey, we're going to do something boring. We're going to do something fun. Maybe do something boring. And then whatever. So it's kind of like fun, boring, fun, trying to have a mixture. So that's how our summer went. So block one, really boring, closed off. Let's just go over the principles. Let's go over the strategies, closed off. And then what I would do is I started throwing like little tag games, um, tic-tac-toe with the cones as part of our warm-up. So we started getting a little more open and a little more chaotic. Um, and then with the, like you mentioned the vector stuff, then it was like, okay, how can I take these strategies? And this is where I kind of was inspired by Bobby White um, with just seeing how he uses a, dar- a lot of Adarian's work with basketball and the constraint stuff. So that was like my idea was like, how can I take that and put it to baseball? Because these guys, ultimately baseball guys are trained. Like I said, even though I don't like it, they are trained that, oh my God, I have to have my glove on. I have to be doing something baseball specific. So we just had stations. So, and then it went to stations and putting the, acceleration the strategy stuff into a still closed but a little more chaotic because the guy could throw the ball wherever he wanted um and we worked out of the half kneeling stuff and we did all different vectors of that we did the double kneeling uh pop-up so working out of the shin angle change and then we would do like a low to go kind of thing with a cone and i would have like the infielders work on you know knocking a cone over with their glove hand um going to the forehand same thing going to the backhand that kind of thing and then after that part of summer was over uh, we just started ripping, man. Like you said, we uh, we would have a short-sided day, so that was pickleball, and then we would have an open-sided game, which was ultimate frisbee. And so those were both in the week. So it was like if I could, you know, th- thinking like catapult stuff, a lot of A cell, D cell, really small space type stuff on pickleball day, and then ultimate day was probably hitting a little bit higher velocities, um, a lot more sprints, that kind of thing. So that's how I thought about it. In my mind was go from teaching it, opening it up a little more applying it to the sport, make, give them some context. And then the rest of the summer was, we're just going to play games and watch what happens. After the full summer of that, what are kind of your takeaways from it? Uh, and what will that look like next summer? Have you thought about that? I have. So my thought right now with next summer is like, do I want to flip it and just start with playing and then watch the film and then go back and maybe intervene if I have to? That would be one thing I'm really thinking about right now is kind of just, we always talk about reverse engineering, but it's like, do we actually do it? Like, do we actually watch what we're doing and then try to just intervene where we need to? Um, and honestly, then I think we're going to play a lot more. I really do. I think we're going to, I'm going to try to play way more games, come up with, be more creative. That's something I need to work on myself is being more creative, but yeah, I definitely want to play more. And I'll say this dude, our 60 times from last winter to this fall were insane. Like we had multiple dudes drop, three tenths, two tenths. Like we had dudes break seven for the first time in their life. You know, we have some pitchers and pitchers aren't always the best athletes. They're going to hate me for saying that. Um, but we had some dudes that, you know, couldn't even touch the seven, like seven, nine that finally broke eight seconds. And we didn't run a single 60 all summer. We didn't touch a 60. Um, and it was really, really cool to see that. And I think they enjoyed seeing that as well. Like we didn't, we didn't do anything, but we were just, I don't know, man. It was just like, I think it was just this global stimulus that we applied this summer with just, getting them out of here because baseball is so much played in here that they just kind of like took off this governor and it was like, let me just, let me go, let me fly. And we had some awesome, awesome results uh, from the, from that side too, which was, which was really cool. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. Can you kind of lay out what your weekly schedule looks like? How many days a week you're working with them and 
so you said you never ran a 60 where you're running any um any like max velo type sprints like what did that kind of look like how were you tying in these games and the, that 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 play-based approach with maybe a more traditional approach and what's kind of your weekly structure look like to get them those results so we would go monday we'd start with a strength day and that was the warm-up then would be I would put some movement challenges in there. So that's where I would try and sprinkle some stuff in there to have some fun. But then after that, it was really traditional. It was like a zercher squat or a trap bar deadlift, um, you know, whatever, bench press, overhead press, whatever. And then in ISOs, threw our ISOs in on that day. And then we'd come on Tuesday and that would be our speed day. So whether that was acceleration based, um, the strategy that could have been pickleball, uh, whatever there. So that was just a speed day. We were only on the field. Uh, we never went into the weight room on that day. That was where we did a lot of crawling in the warm-up, putting in lunges, um, that kind of thing. Wednesdays were off, or I would give them like a crawling ISO recovery type day just to get out and move on the field, get in some grass, take their shoes off, socks off. And then Thursday, we'd come back to the garage. We'd have another strength day. And that, you know, it would have just been, so if we squatted, maybe we'd deadlift. And I kind of just, I didn't have like a true plan. I wasn't sitting there like, okay, we're going to, do this movement for three weeks. It just kind of like just went with the flow and saw what we needed, what the guys liked. You know, some guys like to squat, we squat. Some guys want to deadlift, deadlift. And then come back Friday and Fridays were game day. Friday was either fly tens. We did do fly tens. We would do some curvilinear fly tens. Um, we also did uh, some football games. Like um, I think it was Michael Zuifo's book, but we would do like the gate game where they had like three different holes, like big different gaps. And we'd have then two defenders and they would, they would fill two holes. And then that guy, the runner would have to come up make a decision and sprint. So we would put stuff like that into on our speed days as well, before we got well into the, uh, into the full chaos of just playing pickleball and, and ultimate frisbee. I know I kind of uh, worked around that there and didn't really you know, mention that, but yeah, that would be an acceleration day too, was we would do something like that. And then, Obviously, then Fridays were fly tens or what turned into ultimate frisbee or flag football or something more just open space. That's awesome. Um, you talked about the movement challenges on Monday. Uh, I've seen a couple of these on your on your page, but can you kind of dive into what the movement challenges are for you um, and how you're utilizing these things, how you're coming up with them? Because I think that's a big part for coaches. Like, how are they coming up with these these movement type challenges and how how that's led to maybe a better lift or just more engaged lift or how, how it affected the lift right after. Cause you said it was the strength day after how, how did that movement challenge lead into the lift? The big one was that ninja, like whatever you call it, like a kip up off your back. That was yep. one we stuck with for a while. And I think it was, uh, so I had a high school kid in here and he just like, we were doing a warm up, and he just randomly tried it. And he was like, can you do it? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I've never tried. And I was like, stop your warm up. This is what we're doing for the next 15 minutes. We're going to do this until you can get it. And he got it, boom. So he leaves, man. And I go out in the garage, dude. I'm just trying this thing. I'm falling on my ass. I got videos, like 12-minute videos of me trying to get it. Um, so that was our big one on Monday. And, dude, it was sick. Like, we would low-key have, like, a gauntlet where we just have – we do whatever little warm-up we do, and they be like, all right, boys, here we go, Ninja Club. And we made it – it's called the Ninja Club now. And it's like, who can get themselves into the Ninja Club by accomplishing this? And so, man, if we had eight dudes in there, we put one dude in the middle on the mat, and then everybody else was around them just watching, you know, getting fired up, cheering them on watching people fall laughing at each other. And it was just, and then, yeah. And then we'd go in the lift, like you said, and it was freaking awesome, dude. Like they're just fired up. If I would have just done a simple warm up with ISOs or, you know, whatever we're doing, some crawling. Yeah. That's just great. But man, when you just, I don't know, it's just something about that energy when they're trying to get something and you're watching these dudes try it five, six, seven times in a row and like pissed off, they can't get it. And so it's like, all right, we're going to come back next week and try it again. Um, the whole, the whole outcome 
of the lift changes because a lot of these dudes were coming from work and landscaping jobs from seven in the morning till four and they're coming right over the garage. And so for them, it's like, man, just like it's just a, it's a release from what they just did all day, whether it's carrying wheelbarrows around, mulching flower beds, cutting grass. Um, so it was kind of a way for us to just like, hey, let's just have some fun a little bit. Take a deep breath, get out of your head and let's uh, and then let's do something fun. And then we're going to lift after. And I think we had like 10 or 11 guys out of 18, 19 guys that stayed around the summer and up getting in the Ninja Club, which was really cool. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Are is your jump challenges? I, I saw a couple jump challenges you there. There are those uh, planted in on your your strength days. Are your jumps planted in on your strength days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like I would pair like our low rim dunking stuff that you probably saw in some of the videos. Yep. That was like paired with our squat. Okay. So instead of doing a box jump, we would man like let's go jump and dunk and do something sweet. Okay, and then so that that's my question. How do you how did you balance um, some of the dunk training? Was it all pretty much play based, parkour based, jump training, dunk based training, or were there any traditional jumps that you were using? Like, did you balance that out at all? How 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 did you approach the jumps? All dunking. Hell yeah. Just yeah, we just went dunking, and I mean, I think too, like we're sprinting twice a week. You know, we're doing some plyos, we're doing that stuff, but it was like at the end of the day, it's like what when you watch a guy dunk, you're just like there is nothing more just like pure than watching some of these dudes, just whatever type of approach it is. And they're just up in the air floating. Try- I mean, just in the coordination. Like, I don't think people realize that. Just to do a 360 dunk out in the garage on an eight and a half foot hoop. It's huge. Like, I don't think people realize how hard that is to actually put together and then get your eyes back around and find the rim and put it through. So like there was, and it goes back to what we were talking about, the pickleball. It's like, what do you see? What do you choose to see? But, and for me, it was like, man, like that is sweet. You're watching dudes try to go, you know, double under between both legs and try and dunk it. And and then what was nice about that was we had dudes in the winter that couldn't do a certain dunk. And then we come back to summer and we're midway through the summer and a kid finally gets like a one off one leg between the legs dunk. And I stopped them. Hey, that's what I'm talking about, fellas. Like there's progress right there. Yeah. Our, maybe your squat didn't go up hundred pounds this off season, whatever. Like, dude, you just did something so athletic that you don't even know. Like that's you leveled up. Like that was a level up for you. And we talk about just unlocking like something athletic, like walking out of the gym, doing something you never thought you would do. And like, so that ninja challenge, man, you watch kids, their, their whole world lights up because they just did something. You see, uh, you know, and then my thing now is like, I see uh, the Instagram stuff with Jamar Chase and they, you know, the caption is superhuman. I got an 18 year old volleyball girl that can do a kip up off her back like Jamar Chase can. So for them, it's like, man, cause everyone sees that and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, and if one of these kids goes to a party and gets knocked down and they pull one of those out, like, look out, man. Like, that's uh, that's a hell of a party trick to pull out there. I fucking, that quote you had, walking out of the gym, doing something you never thought you could do. Like, if there's one thing we can do, like, as strength coaches, as sports performance coaches, like, why is it not that, man? Like, that that is so cool. Like, giving that athlete that ability. And, like, again, I think part of it is, like, training yourself to be able to do that. So you get that feeling. It's like, wow. Like, you get, I talked about this all the time, but you get addicted to that feeling of like, what else can I do? And you get an athlete addicted to that feeling and into the training that way. Like, it, it's over when you have an athlete that just realizes what his body is fully capable of doing and what his brain is fully capable of learning. Uh, man, you, you bring that to a practice field, you bring that to any part of their life. Like, it, it's going to lead to so much more than any any other thing we're doing in training. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think it was it was like Tommy John who said when he talked about like holding that ISO lunge for five minutes for the first time, he's like, I felt like I could walk out in front of traffic and take <laughs> on a truck. And it's, but it's, but it's so true. Like you hold that lunge, you do something like that and you do, you feel like, 
hey man, I'm on top of the world for a little bit. And and that's like you said, it's it's so invaluable for them to take with them. Um, whether it's even if they're not and some of them, you know, the thing too is like they might not be the best athletes on the field. But so instead of just coming in and hanging their hat on a squat or a deadlift number, dude, like I just did a 360 between the leg dunk on a low rim. Cool. I just did a ninja a ninja kip up off my back. Like that right there, just I tell them all the time. It's like, it's like that's athletic, man. That's athletic. Anybody can squat, dude. You don't have to be a great athlete to squat. But I do think there's something to doing these like movement challenges that requires a lot more athleticism than just getting under a bar and squatting. Did you do any with this with this jump training? Did you do any baseline testing of like their pre-vert and post-vert? Because I think that'd be pretty sweet to check. I wish, man. Unfortunately, I didn't. I don't have a jump mat when I was trying to buy them. The chips with the whole COVID thing, it was out. Um, I tried. <laughs> you'd laugh, man. It's kind of stupid, but I tried to like measure out something on my wall. I called it the vert wall, and it was just an absolute. It was a disaster. <laughs> so, no, we don't have anything. I guess my measure was more or less. Um, could you do a dunk you couldn't do before? And you know, at the end of the day, I have a feeling that they're going to jump higher. You know what I mean? Or coordinate something better. So no, I wish I did though. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, it's it's not that it matters. I just I I just would that would be sweet to have an actual like tangible piece to show some of these coaches because you listen to the best dunkers in the world who have these insane verts and you ask them like what'd you do for a vertical like I jumped like I jumped since I was ten years old. I got addicted to jumping when I was ten years old. <laughs> you know, like it was no special program. They've been dunking for sixteen hours for since they've turned ten, and they like got addicted to that feeling off like a five foot rim. You know, like that aspect of like you're just getting thousands and thousands of reps of jumping in. Like that's what makes you good at jumping. So it would have been cool to get kind of have that for when you only dunk the entire time. But man, that, I I totally agree there. Like there there's nothing that's there's very few athletic movements that's more beautiful than watching an athlete like just go full approach dunk and like you said you have the coordination aspect you have the landing mechanic aspect like you're gonna if you're gonna talk soft tissue and like working the ability to land in different positions there and you have the output aspect of like okay i have to get up and go dunk this which i think is one of the coolest things ever um I want to go into sprinting now with you because I love a lot of the stuff that you're doing with sprinting. You you talk about Joel being a huge influence. Um, and I'm not sure if we've had a ton of people on post is elastic essentials course. And I, it's a huge influence for me. And, I, and I've talked about it a couple of times on a podcast, but I don't really think I've had a guest that has had now that I'm going through my mind that has actually implemented a ton of these things. But one of the really cool things that I've seen you do is like, we do a lot of this with our athletes too, but like the one arm runs for tight athletes. Um, you, you mentioned switching on the heel taps and we talked about some of that stuff, but like, what's your view on sprinting? How are you implementing some of these things from the elastic essentials course? And just from your background of sprinting into the world of sprinting, what does a speed day look like for you? So where it's not, it's not just these traditional methods of like a skips and a marches, but you're, you're, you're actually working some of these, some of these sprinting aspects into your athletes. Like, well, what's that, what's a speed day look like for you? It's so we warm up, we hit an ISO lunge. Like that's usually our huge warm up. We come in, hit an ISO lunge, whether it's two, three minutes, we'll work our way up. Um, and then we go through some hopping or reactive type games. Um, that could be mirror zigzag, just a simple mirror game going back forth. I think people miss, I think that's such a simple game that like, after you do it, you're like, holy shit, like that, how is that so simple yet? I feel ready to go. So we'll do something reactive like that. And then honestly, I think the biggest thing I've taken from the elastic essentials and Joel is just like having more of that constraint led approach mindset, like not talking arm action or, you know, Hey, squat down. It's like, hey, no, just, just put something out there and let them do it. So, you know, like this fall, this fall was a perfect example where we did a lot of um, holding the med ball at our chest 
and and sprinting with so we're like driving rotation so like that was our thing was like because a lot of these dudes like they're baseball guys and they're just robots when they run and so like that was something we did a lot was like sprint with the med ball that i I took that from joel sprint with the med ball release it and then sprint 10 more yards so it's kind of like a mini fly 10 holding the med ball first and just trying to get them to carry over what they felt and like that's another huge thing like hey what did you feel there okay hey let's okay hey maybe try to feel this and like boom a time drops or something like that so more my sprint stuff has more gone towards like hey what do you feel or you know try to be aware of this notice this um and then you know like i know you mentioned you know the some of the elastic central stuff the one arm running and the low knee running has been has been really badass dude like that stuff is really really cool um i use that with two high school kids uh and it could you couldn't have been like two more opposite ends of the spectrum for them was like one was super tight like his arm dude like i don't think his arms even got up like above his belly button when he's <laughs> and it was like holy shit what am i gonna do here um and so we just we did one arm running and we just hammered it and hammered it and hammered it and all of a sudden, like, without me saying anything, you're just seeing this kid just start opening up and figuring it out. Like, okay, in order for me to run faster, like, I probably have to move my arm a little bit. Um, so that one worked. That works really, really well. And I've used it myself um, on tempo days running 150s and 200s. And that that neural connection, man, is, is really, really powerful. Like, you hit some one-arm running for 150s and then go sprint maybe the next day is like a, a true speed day. Look out. Like, you feel there's something about it. It just ties things together. I don't know if it's just that asymmetrical thing going on, but something about it, like the next day, you're not even thinking about arm action and it feels really, really good. It, it, it tightens some things up. And then the low knee running, um, that's like a, that's like a movement screen is I'll just film a kid run a 10 yard sprint or a fly 10. And so like the kid in particular that I used it with, man, when he would land on the ground and I'm talking like 17 yards into this fly 10 with a 10 yard buildup, he would land on the ground and that back, that swing leg knee would be, a foot behind the, the ground, the foot that's on the ground, that knee. And I'm like, oh my God. And he was just like staying in this class one lever. And like, and he still hadn't caught up. It was just like on the ground, heel stays down, shin keeps going. And then, okay, then he got off of it. And so that's when we started using the low knee running stuff from Joel's, uh, the course, Elastic Essentials. And dude, within, I think it was like four weeks, he ripped off. He went from like a one, two, two fly 10 and ripped off like a one, one, oh. Like it was, it was, I couldn't believe it. Like when he asked me, he's like, what do you think I'll hit today? He's like, dude, if you hit like one, one, seven, I'll be pumped. Like, that'd be awesome. And he comes out and rips off a one, one, oh, and it's like, holy shit. And he used that strategy. He carried that feeling over. He could feel the difference. And once again, I would back it up and show him some video and some freeze frames of, Hey, this is where your position's at now. Like this looks a lot better and closer, but for him to feel it and carry that over. And he was a hamstring guy that played soccer. He was a hamstring guy. And so I'm like, Hey, when you're tired, this might be a strategy to use instead of worrying about, you know, trying to just those big old strides where that foot's laying away out in front of you and you're just having to pull yourself back over the top. Like, Hey, maybe we use this below knee running as a strategy late into the games um, to just kind of keep everything on time when you're tired. And cause it, it naturally forces you to kind of just shorten up on the front side. It will, you have no choice. Um, and that foot interacts with the ground and that interaction is really, really cool when you feel it and watch it happen. It's really, really cool to watch that footwork as a lever the way yeah. it's supposed to. Yeah. And, and that's what you talk about that feel aspect. That's another big aspect that like when you're actually sprinting and implement, you're like, Oh, wow. Like that, <laughs> that's yeah. what I want my like. And not, I'm not saying you'll be able to get every single athlete with every single drill into that feeling, but there's a couple man where you feel it. Like the med ball runs was a huge one for me and like being able to like, Oh, wow. Like that, that's that feeling of that. And then you take it outside of that and you sprint after you're like, Whoa, I'm way faster with that. Like that, that's something that's cool too. And one thing you talked about, like 
you talked about Joel, like giving you that constraint led approach to sprinting. And one of the things I love about that is we talk about dunking and like, what's the, one of the best things that leads to dunking, like becoming a good jumper is like you dunk a ton, like you jump a ton. And one of the things I've found with constraint led of like running is like, I can get guys to sprint way more, like way more reps, way, like with way more intent because they're interested. It's like a new challenge. Like they're addicted to that new challenge. And I'm not saying like you should keep giving like these athletes crack like the way out. Like sometimes it is time to focus and some, but like they're not track athletes. Like my athletes are not track athletes. Like I don't need them to like sit there and dread sprinting every single time. I'm like, I'm going to give them a different variation and we'll still run our, like our basic fly tens and the 20 yard sprints and all these things too. But like, I'm going to get like 20 reps in of these XLs and these, these, these different flying tens weighted unweighted with Walmart, Walmart cross with low knees, but you get this, like the brain stays engaged with these different variations. And when the brain stays engaged, you can do so much more. Like we talk about this overtraining aspect and this two, like this volume aspect is like all of like, Get your brain engaged and watch how much longer you last. Like watch how much longer, like you can run your, your, your PR. Like I've seen guys PR like 15 reps in, like it's crazy. If you keep the brain engaged, you keep going. And that's one thing I really think is like of all of it, because of all of it, like the technique carryover and all, all this stuff is great. Yes. But for me, it's like, I can get, I can get thousands of reps of sprints in with my athletes because they're engaged in their sprinting rather than dreading every single sprint day, because we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And it's like, and if you, and I've learned too, if you're always just putting out the timer and not that, and we'll, we'll time, like you said, I mean, I know you guys do that too, where you're doing, you know, the med ball, throw it out, pick it up and run through the timers. Like we'll do that stuff too. But it's like the, the psychological effect of always having the timers out. Cause that's how I used to do it. Like when I first kind of like to feed the cats type stuff, you know, we did it and, I, and it's, and it's awesome. But it was like, if we just time every week, dude, if one kid had a bad, like one bad rep or had a bad week of sprinting, Oh dude, it was over. It was like, Oh my God, I didn't PR today. I didn't PR today. And it's like, so that's been another big thing for us is to just get away from like, you're not, you're not going to PR every week. It might not happen. Like it'd be awesome if you could, but it might not happen. So that's another thing too, with being creative and adding variations is it's a different time now. So if we're timing the med ball fly 10, great. Like let's PR. So it's kind of like the conjugate system, you know, with Louis, it was just, yep. Hey, let's time this one. Let's time the one arm sprint. And so it's now it's a different, it's a different intensity. It's a, and it's just a whole different thing for those kids. So it's not always just fly 10 day, let it eat. Like, Oh God, hope I PR today. Um, so that's another, I think, cool aspect of just putting things out there that aren't traditional, just sprinting and working on mechanics all the time. And we see it, we see it watching the NFL. Like these dudes don't run, they don't run right. Right. That's what the coach would say. Oh, he didn't lift his knee up. He doesn't run with high knees, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, he just, out, he just outran. So 10, 10, 11 guys, like, what are we talking about here? You know what I mean? What are we, are we actually seeing what we're talking about? Cause you watch, uh, I think it was Kenneth Walker um, that run. He just ripped off where he hit 22 miles an hour, low knee running. And he didn't have super high knees. And I'm not saying like everyone fits that mold, but it was like, are we really watching this? And then, then we're going to bring our athletes in on Monday morning and go through all these drills or tell, tell them to run this way. And it's like, are we even watching them in the first place to see what strategy they use? And if it's effective, and you're good at what you do. Why am I here to mess you up? Yeah, that that's so cool. I, I in that con, you said a conjugate of sprinting, which is something I've been thinking about a lot. Like I think that's so cool. Like and getting, like you said, that, that that PR thing is so true. It is for the athletes listening. Like it's so true, man. Like you're not gonna PR every single day in that. But there, I've never seen something ruin a person's day more than like a flying <laughs> ten just being able to go through and like not PRing there. Whereas like you said, like 
you have like it's not so much the number that means anything and now like all i'm using that number because at the end of the day that, that's the other thing that bugs me is like that flight 10 number does not matter improvement matters but the flight 10 number itself does not matter it's the improvement from where they were to where they're going but the number does not matter when they step onto the court and I want them to understand that. So like we're doing a med ball. All I wanted to do is drive intent. So we're driving, we're running with a med ball at 15 yards. We've never done it. Like you don't know your 15 yard, 20 pound med ball PR. Like you don't know that. And I'm perfectly all right with that. All I want you to do is compete to the guy next to you or compete with yourself on that, on that number. Okay. And the first time I ran my rep was one, five, four. Second time I ran, it was one, four, four. Perfect. What I do differently. Okay. And then start to do that. And okay, this guy next to me is running one, three, four. How can I push myself to go get that? So that using that number to drive intent, not using that number to like mean anything. Cause when you step onto the court, it doesn't. So I think, I think that's such a cool thought process with those sprints is like not valuing that number as much as like we traditionally do, because if you can't hit a baseball, it doesn't matter. If you can't pitch, it doesn't matter. Like if you can pitch getting faster and driving those outputs will help you, but if you can't, it does not matter. So I, I think that's a really cool point. Why? Well, and I know you mentioned at the start that you hate being the baseball guy, but you've mentioned a couple of times that you, you do train baseball athletes. And this is one of the things that I've, you talk about how they're not trained like athletes and you, you see this traditional method of like, they're super fragile with their upper body. But you mentioned earlier that you're crawling, you're climbing. Um, and I'm assuming you're doing some upper, but you start talking about maces um, and rotations with that. What does your upper body training? And maybe this is with all your athletes too. You probably, I'm assuming you don't probably change it a ton with your baseball athletes. Um, what does kind of that upper body training aspect look like with you? in the the untraditional way where you're implementing some of these crawls, climbs and mace rotations. And are you doing anything traditional in the sense of like barbell presses and that type of thing? Like how, how do you implement all of these aspects into training a baseball's baseball athlete's shoulders and upper body? I think it just comes down to balance. Yeah, we do traditionally, like right now we're doing a one-arm dumbbell bench, super traditional. We're doing a renegade row. Um, we'll do some overhead pressing. Uh, the big thing I am changing is I am going to barbell bench uh, the college guys um, this winter. That's something just looking at some data. There is, I, I mean, there, there's, I know everyone has their answer and this way is right and wrong, whatever, but there, I think there is some data that shows that, you know, the barbell bench does have some correlation to velocity. Um, and I think, so we are going to barbell bench, but then, but the rest of it is crawling, crawling with pushups and a combo, um, swinging the clubs. You know, we do that at least once a week. Like that's pretty, we hang, swing clubs, and crawl pretty much every time they're with me. They're doing one, if not all three of those things um, in a single session. And then another thing we're starting is is some handstand holds. Oh, yeah. um, we're, we're throwing those in, which is it's hilarious to watch them even try and get on the wall at first. Like, that's that's another one. Like, I'm, it's like, I, I want you to have, a like, I think it's okay to have some fear. And there's a little bit of risk involved, you know, with that. And so I think another thing with that is like that inversion aspect and, not being comfortable upside down because throwing, I mean, you're ripping your head around, like everything's rotating around something. And I think it is like, it does have a vestibular kind of component to it. Um, so we're doing stuff like that. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. We just keep it really, really simple. I don't get into, we do rebounds and um, uh, certain times of the year we hit rebound reps, like Tommy John style rebound reps a lot. Um, we'll, we'll work up to, I think we got up to like a hundred reps in a session of those this um this past summer and i just pick and choose when i use those those aren't in our in our program all the time um we'll do them like here in a little bit here in a few weeks this winter but yeah man it's it's pretty simple dude like i just try to keep it freaking simple crawl hang climb uh swing some maces do some different things 
get on our hands, you know, crawling or like handstand holds. And then, yeah, pressing. I don't overthink it because the last thing I want to do is like bring them in and be like, okay, we're going to do this movement because in your, in your, uh, in your delivery, you get to this position, this position, this position. Like they already overthink, dude. Baseball, they just already overthink. And I don't want to be that guy because they have their pitching coach. They have their hitting guy telling them they have to hit this position and do this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I'm not doing that. You're just, a, you're just a human being and you're doing it already. It takes you an hour and a half to warm up. You're doing all your, your foam rolling for 35 minutes. You're doing your lacrosse ball stuff for another 30 minutes. And you're doing all your band work. You're doing your plyo ball stuff. Like, what do you need me for? Like, do you think me programming three, three sets of five med ball throws is really going to help you throw 95 miles an hour? Like, you know what I mean? So with those guys, man, it's just super, super simple. And just try to have a well-balanced program with all the, uh, with all the things you just mentioned with crawling, swinging, climbing, hanging, pressing, pulling, keep it simple. Boom. That, that's awesome. Can you dive into a little bit of what you, so I'm going to know I'm going to get this question. What does the swinging look like? So that's something like I post a ton about our climbing. I post a ton about our crawling. Uh, haven't posted a ton about our swinging and um, mace work. What are you doing with the mace work? What are some of the, like maybe sets and reps, maybe the, 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 the stimulus you're looking to get out of this. Um, and then some of the exercise selections you're using with the maces and um, maybe dive into, I, I know this is a big thing. I get like the size of mace that you're using, are you using maces or clubs, the weight of them. Like, could you dive into some of that aspect of things? Yeah, we'll start with like the, the choice, the implement. Um, we use the 10 pound mace, which I think we should, we could have a lighter one, but that's the one I got. I didn't know much going into it. It's just kind of throw it in and see what happens. Um, so we use the 10 pound mace, which is perfect for a lot of guys. It's It's light enough. They can handle it. Um, and then with the, with the club work, we have a two pound, a four pound, a six pound and an eight. Um, most of the guys stick between, I would say four to six, um, for sure. The two pound, I think you could do some higher velocity stuff with, we haven't messed with that a lot. Um, I'm still kind of hesitant on letting them cause they're, they're always throwing and doing stuff. Um, but so we haven't messed with super high velocity stuff with the, with the clubs, but we use, we just use the simple, um, I don't even know what the move is called. It's kind of just, you start like you're uppercutting and you let the elbow kind of work out in a circle and then you throw it, you cast it out to the side and then bring it back up. So you just create this like full circle. I don't know if that'll help with audio and just hearing it. Um, but it's, I think it's just one of the most common like bell club moves that's mm -hmm. out there. We'll do that one. We'll do, you know, big circles. Um, and the David Weck ones, the RMT clubs, they have the little beads inside of them. And you can even take them and um, like make really, really small circles and get the beads kind of moving around the bell, the head of the club. And dude, like that one's really, really cool. We've been kind of, I've been throwing those in there for the guys um, this winter. And it's like, so you kind of think about that, like millimeters to waves kind of quote from a Darian is like just really, really small circles. So instead of always doing the big club swings, we'll do some where we get those beads going and it's really tight and small and, and it's, it'll cook you, man. It'll light your shoulders up for sure. Um, so yeah, those are, those are the big things we'll use. Um, once again, just super simple and just do it better, you know, maybe move up to a heavier club this week. Um, sets and reps. We've gone up to 20, 25 reps a set. Sometimes I'll just set the timer and say, Hey, you have three minutes over here with the clubs, do what you want with them, or just come up with your own shit, you know, come up with something different, move differently. Um, and same with the maces I've dove into a little bit, I think on it, their YouTube has some really cool kind of movement flows with them. And the guys that are interested, they'll they'll stick around after and we'll mess with different things. Um, but it's nothing I haven't I haven't really programmed uh, that kind of thing yet with them. So the maces will do single arm overhead around the world kind of thing. And then we'll do the the double arm. And those are the two big ones we use a lot. 
Yeah, and that, that, that's that's so much good stuff there. The, the three minutes, like, the, the, and you can do this. With this is one of the coolest things, like, talking to people. Like, you could put three minutes on a clock and give them any implement and just tell them, to, like, go go do something. Um, and maybe if you want to steer them towards, hey, this is what I'm trying to get out of this stimulus, you figure out how to get that stimulus out of you. But you'll see, like, you and I can talk about exercise selection and coming up with all these things. We can do all this YouTube stuff. If you put an athlete in there for three minutes with these maces and clubs, like, you're going to see so many cool things happen in front of your eyes. And I think that that's such an awesome point that I want to touch on is, like, just that aspect and that thinking aspect of the sets and reps. I was really hoping you went somewhere like that. So that, that that's fucking, that's really, really sweet that you brought that up. Um, And talking about the the, the swings and clubs. So we, we went through all of the... The, the logistics uh i don't know if we actually covered why like uh, the 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 why the the clubs and why the maces like what are you seeing with you talked about some of the, the 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 short circles and and some of the things you're trying to do there but why like what do you see the benefit of like a club and a mace versus like a dumbbell and traditional barbell lift like what's the difference there like and for shoulder care like why not just do dumbbell lateral raises for a coach asking it's just, I think it comes down to make it like the circles, the free energy return of moving in circles and spirals, which once again, I mean, you talk about, I mean, we keep going back to it. And I know you mentioned it being a huge influence on you, but Elastic Essentials, man, it opens your eyes to so much shit. Like it's like, it's, it basically takes away a pool variation for us sometimes. So it'll be, instead of doing an inverted row or a TRX row, it's, Hey, we're going to press. And then you're going to go swing for 25, 30 reps, whatever it is. Um, So I think it's just nice to just, get out of always just pulling and pushing and actually move your shoulder. Like let, let it move, let it, let it do what it's supposed to do. Um, and that's another thing, man, uh, since we started implementing those, the shoulder, the complaining about the nagging and the shoulders, obviously we still have it because it's baseball and they do throw a lot and that's just the nature of the game. But we have had less and less guys complaining about shoulders and it all started as soon as we started implementing club work and stuff like that. So I think just getting them to move their shoulder and putting it in circles and letting it do what it wants to do. And do you do 25, 30 reps of that? You're feeling like it is, it ain't, it ain't all fun and games. At some <laughs> yeah. Point, you know? So yeah, I definitely, I think it's been super valuable for us. There's no doubt. Yeah. That, that's fucking awesome. Coach. I, that, that rant was, that rant was worth the whole podcast in and of itself. So hopefully yeah. people made it this far. Uh, last question of the podcast. I want to kind of uh, dive into with you um, before we head off. What's kind of your training look like right now? And this is something that this is a question I really like asking guests recently. It's like, what's kind of your training look like right now? What kind of rabbit holes are you in currently? Uh, and what's kind of your secret sauce? Like you're developing, but it's not quite, you don't think it's quite ready for the athletes yet. Cause I have like 17 different things I try out and like, Ooh, this could be, but is there any like secret sauce and rabbit holes in your training that you're currently in that like, it might not be ready to launch, but like, okay, this is, this is on the tip of my tongue. And I think next time, if we have a podcast, I'm going to talk about this. I would say, I mean, like I told you, I've been getting coached by Joel because I want to be a better athlete. I want to get better. And so this, you know, it's not, I guess it's not really mine because I'm really, that's, that's been my learning too. I want to preface it by saying that I've kind of done with the reading and I listen to podcasts, but then like I've done with just reading books. I came up in that culture where it was like, I'm just going to read a book to tell everybody I read a book a week just to make myself sound cool. And then I'm a reader. Um, so I've like gone away from just reading and my learning has now come from paying someone to coach me and help me learn through actually doing this. You know what I mean? So in my training right now, man, the big thing we're doing a lot of is those low, the low squat foot jumps. Um, I think that when you, cause I know you asked this question, I've listened and that was the first thing that popped up to my head was like these high, high volumes of low squat foot jumps. 
Um, and I think with what you're asking, do I know if it works or not will be the next thing. And it is something we're doing. I'm doing right now with my athletes because I've been doing it for a while. And from a function of the foot standpoint, I notice a difference and I'm watching guys improve every week as we do it. And I don't say a word. I do not, I don't coach it or I coach it, but then I, I don't like sit there and go, Hey, do this. I just want to watch the kids that can't keep their heels off the, on the ground or off the ground. Like, okay, hey, two weeks ago, dude, you you know, they were struggling with it. Now, all of a sudden, the foot's working a little better. And they're able to keep that, stay in that class two mode a little bit more rigid and kind of work that way. So I think that's been one of the things I've been doing myself that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I guess where it would go is how much volume can you really do with those? You know, because I know you can get into 100, 150. I've done probably 150 in a, in a training session. And so that's kind of where I'm going with it. And I do want to see what happens here in the next couple of weeks with my guys adding those in with some sprint times or whatever we're doing. And and are you, you're talking just to make sure we're, everybody's on the same page. You're, you're squatting down low you're picking the basic going on your toes and you're hopping and you're staying bouncy in that squatted position at the bottom position of a squat. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to stay. I think the big thing is like the, those med heads, the first and the fifth med head, like trying yep. to feel the pressure in there, not necessarily just the toes. Um, But yeah, yep. Trying to keep the knees around 90 degrees. Um, yeah. And just like little, like, I guess, three to four inch jumps there. And you can go in and out of those. I mean, you know, you can go into the tuck jumps out of those. You can drop into the lunge. Uh, something, man, Joel's been throwing at me is um, weighted, holding weight, doing those um, and talking about like that oscillating method, which is another reason, because I do want to get into some oscillating stuff with my guys. So another big reason we're doing a high volume of these is to kind of prep that and get set. So I'm not just throwing oscillating methods at these guys and they have no clue what's about to hit them. You know what I mean? So that's that's the big venture right now. It's just seeing how that stuff can carry over in balance with the rest of the program. And when we want to jump in and use some, I guess, higher end methods, hit that NOS button, how it, if they can achieve it better. Because I've tried the oscillating stuff before and it's kind of just been, some guys get it, some guys don't. But I really want, I want to use them. I want to see what happens. And so I think this is kind of my segue into actually programming them out and seeing how they go. Oh yeah. And in that squat position, are you doing like duck walks as well in that squat? Cause this is something I, I, I've that one of the, we're talking about, again, we're talking about Joel's going to love us for this podcast. He better pay us for this shout out, but that, <laughs> that, that squat position, those low, those low squats, we do them for, we do them for, we've done them for five minutes straight before just hopping in there. We've done them for like broad jump, staying out of that squat position. Um, But also I really liked it, like that duck walk that he brought up in there too. Like, have you implemented yeah. any of that stuff? Oh yeah. All the yeah. Like, yeah, crouch walking. That's something like when I was talking about that, like recovery Wednesday type thing. Yep. Crawls, crouches, that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. It, sure. It's huge. It, it feels. Oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, even sometimes I'll use it as like the, Hey, we're going to hit a crouch walk for 20 seconds before our squat. Instead of doing a hip 90, 90 and all that stuff, we'll go crouch, go move, explore. And it's all exploration. I only use that stuff pretty much exploration based. So it's like, go, go out on the turf and just go yeah. do whatever you want to do. Go figure it out. Yeah, that's awesome. We do, we do the same thing. We'll we'll pair our squats with that all the time. And uh, like a lot of the like oh, my hip mobility, bro, go do that for a minute. Go do that for thirty seconds. Go explore your knees walking over your toes. Your knees walking in. Like go explore in that, and your you, your hip mobility would be taking care of itself there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And coach, yeah, and, and it's fun. It's engaging. But coach, this was awesome. I'm pre I'm pretty pumped about this one. I'm ready to go swing some maces right after this. I'm gonna I got a little training session, so we're gonna hit some of that. But thank you for being on. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood.
Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.